We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown. Yeah, you heard it. It's Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. He's Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing fine. Are you heat beating? I am. Uh, that's a weird way to say it, but I'm not, I'm not doing that, but I have beaten the heat. Um, (laughs) i have uh like i told you about that window fan i have yeah yeah i think i've mastered it um and it's just a really proud moment during quarantine because like i've said before i don't have air conditioning the fact that my room is comfortable right now um despite it being hot outside all because of a 30 dollar fan that i i've used and mastered it's it's really a, a gratifying experience during quarantine huge this is big news on the pod. Yeah, also big news. Did you are you taking up golf? Yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, okay. we're going to we're going to get to football stuff here in a, here in a few minutes. We're going to break down the 49ers linebackers today as we continue with our positional breakdowns that we momentarily put on pause. And then we'll also talk about how some NFL news from today indirectly does or does not affect the 49ers. But yeah, Chris, this is a momentous occasion in my life. I am about a month shy of turning 30, and I have picked up golf for the first time in my life. 
So what does that mean? Like, have you gone, have you played yet? Have you just gone to the range once or twice? I've, I've been to the range twice and I've been okay. to a driving range before when I was very young and I've been to Top Golf a couple times. But in those instances, I wasn't like earnestly working on a swing. It was just, I'm there to drink and eat food and make a fool of myself. So this is my first couple of times being to a range and actually trying to improve my swing, you know, taking video and looking at it and then matching that up against, you know, YouTube videos and trying to sure. you know, see what I'm doing wrong and then Googling uh, uh, how to fix those certain things that, that, that are going wrong. So it's a work in progress for sure. I'll send you a video of, of my swing and you can, you can take a look. It's not great. <laughs> um, so I know you used to play baseball and mm -hmm. you currently play softball. Do you grip the club like a bat? No, not at all. No, I'm not all right, an amateur. Good. What do you think this is? Uh, all right, good. No, I'm, <laughs> the, I'm happy. I'm, I'm proud of you. I played with somebody. I think the guy was in high school. Um, and he gripped the, the club like a bat, which I used to do when the very, you know, first time I picked up a, uh, a club, but I'm happy, I'm, I'm happy you're taking up golf. It's a great game and, uh, hopefully we can play sometime. I'm excited for us to golf together. Cause that's happening. Yeah. I've, I bought a $35 set of clubs on Facebook. Wow. Uh, yeah. The Facebook marketplace, dude, I, I, somebody was like, not just irons. It's, it's the full set of irons, uh, wedge driver woods, everything. And it's, I mean, it's not a, in perfect condition, but I mean, it's nice. And then my uncle had given me a set of irons that were in pretty good condition several years back. And I actually just recently found those in my parents' garage. I thought I'd gotten rid of them. So I'm now working with two separate sets of irons. I'm swinging both to see which ones I like more. Um, I'm working on acquiring a bag. I looked up some golf apparel today. Wow. Uh -huh. That's a lot. So it's, yeah, it's not cheap. It's not the <laughs> cheapest game you can pick up. I've, I've, I've seen some really cool Travis Matthew hats out and about. And I was like, oh, look at Travis Matthew. It's like $100 for a pair of shorts. It's like, all right, that's fine. We'll skip that. <laughs> right. Uh, Travis Matthew, if you want to sponsor the pod and send me some golf clothes, please do. <laughs> oh, man, I would love to have a golf sponsor. That would be That'd sweet. That would be so sick. If, it um, doesn't even have to be Travis Matthew. Any golf person who wants to sponsor the pod, give us a shout on Twitter. Yeah. I So I don't think I mentioned this on last week's pod because it didn't come up. But uh, mm -hmm. I actually won a golf tournament recently <laughs> what did you did you not did see you my not instagram post this? i saw your July instagram 4th? post but it's theater of the mind chris i'm acting surprised Why'd oh you okay a golf yeah tournament? so um yeah cam inman uh friend of the show who covers the 49ers for the san jose mercury news longtime beat writer former yet? columnist is what how has cam never been on our pod uh, we can get cam on the pod let's get cam on the pod okay keep I going i can text him um, he hosted a tournament 4th of July, uh, four in the fourth for F O R E, um, which is clever. And, uh, and yeah, so I didn't have the lowest score, but I had the best score relative to my handicap. So I'm about a 15, uh, and I shot an 83. So I, uh, I was technically, I guess, uh, four shots better than my handicap. And so there was somebody else, a guy who's like a single digit handicap who shot like a 78. Um, and I think he was right at his number. But yeah, I won. I'm, I'm looking at, I have a red jacket in my closet uh, with an American flag on the back. And I need to get my name embroidered on the inside, um, joining the other, uh, the other wow. illustrious champions of the tournament. Wow. But yeah. yeah. That's so, incredible. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, not to brag, but I did win a golf tournament. <laughs> That's very cool. Well, hey, 
let's talk some football, shall we? Sure. So today it was reported, we're recording this on Tuesday, July 14th, that the Chiefs signed their defensive tackle, Chris Jones, to a monster deal uh, just weeks, days after signing Patrick Mahomes to his $400 million deal. And let me find the numbers. I had him here on Chris Jones's deal, and then I closed it for some reason, which I don't know why. Um, four years, 85, I believe. Yeah, we'll call it four and 85. That sounds about right. I literally, this is so weird. It's like I remember one of those it being a touch more than, than where, it's where, a little bit more than DeForest Buckner's contract. Yeah, I, I had it up, and I swear I just don't know where it went. Anyways. His, the, the numbers on his deal don't matter as much. He got paid a lot. And this comes on the heels of Patrick Mahomes getting paid a lot, which led to some talk on 49ers Twitter and people wondering why the Chiefs are able to sign all these players to these huge deals and the 49ers can't sign George Kittle to an extension along with giving Raheem Mostert the couple extra million he wants. Chris, can you please explain why those things aren't necessarily related or comparable? So the 49ers already have their quarterback under contract, right? And they've already given out a few big contracts on the defensive side, which the Chiefs just did. So in that sense, the 49ers already had the sort of pillars of their financial structure in place, which the Chiefs just did as well. Like, they they now have their quarterback and their most expensive defensive player signed, signed for the long run. Um, and I, I'll keep going back to this, and it's a, an important point that a lot of people miss, I guess, is that players, the NFLPA, the Players Association, and the league are currently negotiating what the financial structure of the new reality of 2020 is going to look like. And that obviously includes the potential of there being zero fans in the stands uh, during games, uh, which dramatically impacts revenue. And because the the NFL is a salary cap league, uh, revenue determines what the salary cap is. So they're negotiating what 2021... 2022 and and those years are going to look like um because there's probably going to have to be a smoothing mechanism or else according to the rules like teams wouldn't be able to field players because the salary cap would go down so much right so along with the medical protocols that are still getting figured out for training camp is the massive questions about the financial realities of the league so that's a long way of saying the 49ers are just in a holding pattern right now. And yeah, they they do want to sign George Kittle to a long-term deal. I don't I don't know if there's anybody in the know that thinks a long-term deal with George Kittle isn't going to happen. Um so I don't know that I, I don't think people should really worry about it because I think once like I think if there were no COVID and this was a normal offseason, I think Kittle the Kittle contract would have already been done. Um but because so the 49ers are up against the salary cap, they have to sign George Kittle. Um, they would like to sign Trent Williams. Uh, Fred Warner's doing an extension. At some point, you have to think about money for Nick Bosa. Um, there there are a lot of variables on the line right now, 
or I guess to be determined. And the biggest one is just how much space they have to work with. So because the 49ers already have so many players under contract, um, it's very tight with them right now. And I, I'll, right. I'll admit, I haven't gone through the Chiefs' salary structure, but like off the top of my head, I know they've gave Frank Clark a lot of money, and um, and you know they have a lot of money wrapped up in receivers and and Mahomes obviously, but like. You know, I don't know that they have as many high-paid players as the 49ers do right now. Like, the 49ers have Quan Alexander, D. Ford, Weston Richburg, uh, Trent Williams, Richard Sherman. Um, like, they have a, a bunch of guys making a lot of money on the team, and, and that's sort of the cost of being good, right? Um, right. And it's so also, anyway, it's, it's just also... uncertain. And, and I, I think before people panic, like, just wait and see what this what the financial realities of the league are going to look like and then if the 49ers can't get a deal with George Kittle then it's time to panic but i right. think they're just in a holding pattern because they're very specific in the way they structure these deals they got really creative with Eric Armstead right and they got creative with Jimmy Ward to give them you know small cap figures in the first year which is different than what they normally do they normally front load the contracts and have right. big cap figures up front that go down as a contract goes with Armstead and Ward. They had to do the opposite because they already have a bunch of guys under contract who are making a lot of money. So trying to fit in George Kittle and everybody else, it's very, very complicated. And without knowing how much salary cap space you have, it's basically impossible. So that's my answer to that. And the chiefs didn't have the same problem. I don't think because they didn't have as many high paid players under contract. Right. And I don't believe Chris Jones is making more than his franchise tag would have been this year. And Patrick Mahomes, I don't think, has any new money in 2020. So that's how they navigated that a little bit. It's also worth noting, I know it's not exactly the same, but there was a portion of 49ers fans that wondered why the team wasn't doing what the Rams were doing at one point as well. And now we see where the Rams are sitting in 2020, two years removed from a trip to the Super Bowl. Uh, They've had to unload a bunch of talent. They don't have draft picks and they're in a bad salary cap situation so the the 49ers are i think aiming to avoid that as much as humanly possible and we talk about it i I think we talk about it all the time everybody wants the 49ers to trade for every star and it's like that's what the rams do and it doesn't work for them right like it (laughs) makes it makes sense sense on madden hey if we're playing madden great Potentially. But that's just it's just not it's the not Rams it's not a, reality in the NFL. The Rams are the team that gets all the star players who are available like a lot of fans want the 49ers to do and they haven't drafted in the first round since 2016. Right. And it's and it's and hurting them now because they don't have low badly. priced high quality yeah. talent. And yeah. look at look at just I mean and this is a kind of bigger picture conversation. I don't know how far we want to get into this here but Look at what the Patriots do. The Patriots weren't paying out the ass for every star that came available. In fact, kind of the opposite. It was get rid of stars before they become expensive and then replenish those positions with two or three different players that can do a variety of things and then putting those players in positions to be successful. And I think that's more what the 49ers are trying to gear themselves toward. And it speaks volumes about what this front office has done since 2017 that the 49ers are when you zoom all the way out and you get away from just George Kittle or 
or just Nick Bosa or just DeForest Buckner, whoever it is, when you zoom all the way out, the 49ers have too many good players. That's a really good spot to be in. Right. And so all of that is to say that I I don't think the 49ers are putting themselves in a position where they're not going to pay George Kittle. I do think they they will, like you said, once once we get a little more certainty and the Chiefs were just in a different spot and structured their deals in such a way that uh, they 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 signed Mahomes and they signed Jones to those to those big dollar figures. And who knows? In two or three years, if the league is seeing salary cap issues still, uh, the Chiefs may be really really hurting and wind up having to get rid of some really good players because of the decisions they made in 2020. Totally agree. Let's. Uh, you want to hit a break here and then we'll talk linebackers. Yeah, let's do that, guys. Sports are coming back. We have baseball coming back there have been some uh inner squad practices that have been live streamed um which i may or may not have watched even though they're teams i don't particularly root for um because that's where i'm at with baseball but uh sports are coming back and so are chances to bet on your favorite teams and events including baseball major league soccer is back too i've actually tuned into some of that kind of interesting and there's no better place to bet on these things, then bet online. Our exclusive partners get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back. Bet online has future odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code Blue wire, all one word. Bet online, your online wagering experts. I can't wait to bet on sports again. I think uh, I might, I might throw some money on the A's. I love that. Series. I love that. Uh, I can't wait A to not go to talent. an A's game with you, man. What? <laughs> I said I can't wait to not go to an A's game with you. It's yeah, that'll be fun. A lot of talent. Sixty game season. Things could be weird. They could get hot. Um. I like it. I, 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 they're probably going to have good odds. Could be fun. Excellent. Let's talk right. linebackers, though. Linebackers. Here's who the 49ers have uh, on their depth chart at linebacker going into camp. And I should say, we've been doing these position-by-position breakdowns. If you've missed any of them, make sure to go back in our feed. We've done the entire offense. We've also done the defensive line. Now we're jumping over. Uh, to linebacker to round out the front seven. We'll also do corner and safety. And are we doing special teams? Are we going to dedicate a whole a whole pod to special teams or no? To specialists? Yeah, like we could talk about like the big Robbie Gold questions. And we'll do a we'll do Kyle a Nelson. We'll do an eight to nine minute podcast. Okay. On the specialists at some point. So we could do make eight sure to, to watch nine minutes out. just Check on the long feed. snappers last year. It's a great point. Shout I was going to gonna do I was going to do a whole long snapper spiel right now but I'm not going to. <laughs> Linebackers. Let's get back on track. Okay. Here's who the 49ers have on their roster at linebacker going into camp. It's Fred Warner, Quan Alexander, Dre Greenlaw, Mark Nzacha, Aziz Alshire, Joe Walker who they signed away from the Cardinals this offseason, Demetrius Flanagan Foles, Joey Alfieri and Jonas Griffith. Uh, Griffith is an undrafted free agent out of Indiana State, which means he is the Larry Bird 
of the linebacker group. You heard it here first. Oh, interesting. Uh, big question off the top. You have it here on the rundown. I think it's important to hit it. Elijah Lee signed with the Lions. Does this change the power structure in the NFC? My answer is yes, and here's why. <laughs> I'm, I'm all ears. I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> so the the first question, the first real question is, how many of those guys do they keep? I I don't think. I know it's going to be Warner, Alexander, and Greenlaw are the three sure things. But then after that, it, it gets interesting. So, Chris, how many linebackers do you think the Niners keep, and do you have a prediction on who it is? I think there will be five. Okay. Um, that's typically the, the number. And uh, I think it's going to be Warner, Alexander, Greenlaw. I'm going to go Joe Walker and Mark Inzacha. Uh, which means Aziz Alshire might not make it. Maybe he goes to the practice squad, or maybe he just beats out Joe Walker um, and wins that job. But I think that that fourth linebacker spot will be Alshire or Walker and uh, Mark Inzacha, a special teams favorite, um, is going to make the team again, uh, presumably. And and if there are some sleepers, you mentioned Jonas Griffith. I didn't. I didn't think about the the Larry Bird angle, but I really like that. Um, I might have to devote three thousand words to a um, a piece about that. Just but, give me the full link, please. <laughs> but um, no, I, I think Griffith could be a sleeper. He was a really good player in college, an academic all conference guy, um, which usually indicates a guy is uh, you know really good in preparation and, and things like that. Um, Demetrius Flanagan Fowles is interesting because he's super athletic. He's tall. He's long. He's a former safety. So you would presume he's got coverage skills. Um, and he's familiar with the system in that, uh, he was a undrafted rookie last year. He tore his ACL as a member of the practice squad in December. Um, so I'd keep an eye on him. He makes some plays during practice. I think he had an interception in a preseason game last year. Don't hold me to that. I'm going off memory and my preseason memory is always extremely fuzzy. Um, but I think that's right. Uh, so I think it's five. And um, I would be surprised if it was a different number than that, just given roster constraints and, and where the team might need bodies elsewhere. Yeah, I also have five. I have the I have Alexander, Warner, Greenlaw, and Zacha, and Al Shire. Ooh, controversy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think Al Shire was just okay last year, and I think that, that there's a level he can reach where he can be – a legitimate spot starter while also contributing on special teams. And, and I think that he at least in coverage offers a little more than, than Joe Walker does. So, yeah. And he was only a year removed from an ACL tear last year. Right. So, so I think he could I think, be more dynamic this year. I'm athletically. Al- I'm also, though, I'm really excited to watch Jonas Griffith because he's big and he's athletic and he had a hundred plus tackles in all four years at, at Indiana state or three of his four years. I forget exactly, but he just produced like crazy and he has really good size and athleticism. So really excited. Are you, I am dude. What okay. you think? You think this undrafted free agent stuff's a game? <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been really excited to watch. I've been breaking down I've Indiana. I've, I've forgotten more about Indiana state football than you'll ever know. That's f- fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> Yeah, so I think it's five. Uh, I think I think four are the same, and then I think Al Shire makes it over, okay. over Joe Walker. Okay, I'm really excited to see how that plays out. Um, <laughs> so questions. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the biggest question about the group for yeah. 2020 in particular is who's going to be the will linebacker. 
um, in sub packages. So Jonas Griffith. <laughs> hey, we can't rule it out. Um, so in base base situations, running downs, some people call it the 49ers use it's a four three defense, three linebackers off the ball. Um, you have a strong side linebacker and a will linebacker. So last season, uh, Quan Alexander was the will linebacker. He was an every down guy. The will is every down. The Sam strong side guy is only on the field during base downs. Um, and I think Greenlaw won the Sam linebacker job to open camp, uh, and then had to play will week one because Alexander got kicked out of, of that game in Tampa Bay for lowering his helmet on Jameis Winston. Um, but then once Greenlaw, uh, once (laughs) Alexander got hurt Halloween in Arizona, then Greenlaw resumed, uh, will linebacker. They basically played the same number of snaps at will linebacker. And they're very different players. They have different skill sets. And and what's interesting about the Niners linebacking core is they're one of the better coverage groups in the league, just in terms of, you know, defending tight ends and 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 things like that. They they all all three of those guys have pretty good numbers in terms of, you know, yards allowed per route run. Um but there's only one good tackler of the group, and it's it's uh Greenlaw. Uh, it's a little bit problematic. So Quan Alexander, fifth worst in tackling efficiency among all NFL linebackers, according to Pro Football Focus. He missed a tackle once every 4.8 attempts. Um, Joe Walker was 12th. Uh, Fred Warner was 16th at 6.3. Drake Greenlaw was sixth best in the league in terms of tackling efficiency. One missed tackle every 21.5 attempts. So that's like one every two games, Yeah, essentially. Um, and he had the biggest tackle of the year. And he had the biggest play of the year. So I guess it, it's reasonable to ask who's going to play strong and who's going to play Will because when Alexander came back in the playoffs, he played strong side and wasn't on the field every down coming off that torn pectoral. And he also had a biceps injury that required surgery this offseason. And he's expected to be cleared in time for training camp. But that's two pretty significant injuries uh, coming off the season in which he was a year removed from tearing his ACL when he was with the Bucks, So we're talking about a torn ACL, a torn pec, and a biceps injury that required surgery. I think it was a torn biceps tendon. Um, that is, that, that's a lot of injuries for a guy, you know, a veteran who's been in the league five years, and now Greenlaw is entering his second year, and you could argue might already be a better player than Alexander. So I think... You know, if it if it were up to the 49ers, I mean Alexander would be the guy because he's making so much more money. Well, uh, and, and and he's their best coverage linebacker as well. Yeah, he's their best coverage linebacker. That's true. Um, but there is a missed tackling issues, and and the Niners like it was an underrated or I guess an underreported aspect of their defense in that it wasn't great against the run. They were really good in like fourth and short, but against the run overall, I think they ranked 22nd in the league in yards per carry. Um, not that it really mattered because they would get up big on so many teams, but, you know, I, I think that sort of reflects on the poor tackling from the linebackers, and, and there were some other games, like, they you know, they couldn't tackle anybody in the Saints game. Um, but if, if there's something to know about the 49ers linebackers, like an area where they really need to improve, overall it's tackling as a unit. Here's and, um, here's, and I wonder how that factors into the competition. I'm gonna give 
I'm going to give an, in, an indicator here of their tackling, and Pro Football Focus has a tackling grade that they give. 60 is average. Uh, Dre Greenlaw was their best tackler. He got graded as 79. Mark Zacha was at 58.1. Nobody else is above a 50, yeah. which is re- bad. That's really bad. So that's just like a numerical indicator of how bad they are at tackling. So the next question, I guess, so who, who who's going to be the starter? Um, Alexander or Greenlaw? I think that's going to be really interesting. I, my guess is it's going to be Alexander, but we'll see. Um, speaking of Alexander, the next biggest question going into this year, is this, this going to be Quan Alexander's uh, last year with the team? Um, and does he have the worst contract on the team in terms of team friendliness? So... Alexander got a restructure bonus at some point last offseason. And from the feeling I gather is the restructure bonus was sort of tied into his return for the playoffs off the pec injury. And so that gave him $10 million and his contract had previously been front loaded. So the 49ers really could have got gotten out from it after that first season if they wanted to. Not that I think they would have. But what the restructure did is it upped Alexander's cap figures to 16 and a half and 16.6 million in 2021 and 22, which is an enormous number for a linebacker. That's that's third among linebackers, off ball linebackers in the league. And I don't think Alexander is anywhere close to the third best inside linebacker in football. He's not even the best linebacker on on the 49ers. I don't think so. Um you know, there, there's a chance because his dead money is only $3 million in 2021 starting. I think it's just about the same in, in 2022. And he could be released with $7 million in cap savings. So that could be, he could be one of the guys that's, um, this is really his last chance with the 49ers because it's hard to, it's really hard to look at 16.5 and $16.6 million cap, cap hits in 2021 and 22 while we talk about george kittle who probably deserves that kind of money um you know needing a new deal with alexander right there (laughs) yeah (laughs) like alexander and d ford i think are are both in that in that realm where like they really need to have good seasons and it's probably going to take a contract restructure after those good seasons for them to stick around i think it's important to note though and this isn't to say that 16.5 16.5 or 16.6 aren't pretty outrageous cap hits for, for a player like Alexander. I do think it's important to note, though, is part of the reason the 49ers were so good in coverage last year is because their linebackers were so good in coverage. Yep. And having that second level where you have a guy like Alexander who can run with any player who comes over the middle of the field, I think that's a pretty big deal. So while... um. I don't necessarily disagree that it's the quote-unquote worst contract on the team. He's still pretty valuable for San Francisco because of that specific skill set of, of be, being a, a linebacker who can cover multiple positions. So, And, and he's also... Felt like that was worth noting. And, and we talked about it during the year last year, too. Like, in Alexander's defense, like, Nick Bosa called Quan Alexander the MVP of the defense. And that's purely based right. on what Alexander brings from an emotional and intangible standpoint. Um, like he is one of the most beloved players in the locker room. 
Yeah. And you ask anybody about Quan and, and that's what they'll say. And like, you know, the energy's infectious. He's I'll always go back to um the first joint practice the 49ers had last year in Denver. They like it was I don't know, eight in the morning, nine in the morning. We're on the practice field and like I have coffee, everybody else is like we're kinda there's a time change. It's only an hour, but we're kinda screwed up. It's like early. We're we're out on the practice field way earlier than we would be. Quan Alexander's running around screaming, getting everybody hyped up, and the Niners defense now what what no knowing what we know now based on the 49ers about the 49ers defense and Joe Flacco and and the Broncos offense, it makes sense now. But the 49ers went out and kicked the Broncos ass. Like their def, their defense did. Right. And Alexander was bringing the energy that really rubbed off on everybody and everybody talked about it afterwards and that was sort of the the dawn, the spawning of the hot boys thing. Um, so that's what Alexander brings. Uh, and Dre Greenlaw, and maybe this changes, but as a rookie, he's like a quiet, really quiet guy, doesn't talk a whole lot, doesn't want to say anything, and, and Alexander's kind of the opposite. So, you know, there's that dynamic to think about, too. The fact that this guy is an emotional linchpin of the defense, and really an alpha-type personality that they hadn't had previously. Like, Going back to, right. you know, other versions of the 49ers defense, they never really had that guy. They thought Reuben Foster might be that guy, but they didn't have, like, that not. energy source that, like, you know, Patrick Willis or Justin Smith was in the in the previous era. Like, they needed they well, needed a dog in the middle of the defense, and, and, and Alexander is that guy. And that was something Richard Sherman brought up during his first year was, like, these guys just need a different mindset. Right. And I, th- I think Alexander, among, among other things help helped kind of bring that so all that said it wouldn't be a huge shock if he wasn't with the 49ers far beyond this year yeah and it, it might be that they just restructure the contract again sure and you know and and maybe they they convert some you know salary into signing bonus or whatever and and I, shrink I, his cap number again but we'll see I do think a fully healthy season from Alexander though is going to be a pretty big deal because when you look at the when you look at the depth chart behind him or behind uh, Warner and Alexander and Greenlaw, the pickings are pretty slim. You know, Nzacha is is okay, not ideal in a defensive situation. Al Shire was up and down last year, and probably not a player you want starting playoff games. Joe Walker, same kind of deal, and and we don't really know what what Flanagan Fowles or Alfieri or Griffith are going to bring. So having Alexander healthy for 16 games, whether he's at Will or Sam, is I think going to be really important for the Niners this year because if he goes down, and the Niners base uh, the Niners base defense is Warner Greenlaw and then one of that other group of six. I I think their defense gets pretty substantially worse. So I agree with all of that, Um, with the exception of the Jonas Griffith slander. I I just assumed he was a star already, based on what we talked about earlier. Great point. Um, I didn't even even think about that. The the last (laughs) question I have about this group, um, will Fred Warner get paid next offseason when he's first due for a new extension? Or will he have to play the fourth year of his rookie contract without the assurance of a new deal? Um, that's a giant unknown. 
and I think we're, you know, we're like at least nine months away from finding that out. Um, so, you know, like I think Warner would have a really intriguing case if he wanted to be somebody to make 13, 14 million a year, um, or essentially, you know, the, the money that they gave Quan Alexander last off season when he earned 14 and a half annually. I think that's where Warner will probably start his negotiations. That's also a lot for a linebacker. And yeah, I mean, between Warner and Dre Greenlaw, it seems like the 49ers have a pretty good idea of what they're looking at the, at the position in terms of scouting guys in the draft. So you do have to wonder, all right, as good as Fred Warner is, do we want to ink him long term to a market rate contract, which would be probably near the top, like Bobby Wagner territory? Or do we just want to franchise tag him, which would probably be a little bit less? Um, and Warner wouldn't have the long-term security, or do you consider trading it? And, you know, these are all possibilities because Man. if we learned anything, like, yeah, we think about Warner as being one of those dudes that they would never trade, but we also thought the same way about DeForest Buckner. Yeah. And and I think the parallel there is that it's not a position that a lot of good teams really love to pay for. If you're not sacking the quarterback or intercepting passes, um, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of guys in the league getting paid top dollar on good teams. You know, the 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 um, the Ravens let uh, Mosley walk in free agency, got sixteen Mosley, seventeen yeah. million dollar a deal, sixteen seventeen million dollars a year from the Jets, and the Ravens defense didn't miss a beat. Um, so, you know, and maybe Warner is going to be willing to take less than he would on the open market. Um, I don't know. We're a year from finding that out, but, um, I think it's an interesting subplot to the season because in terms of the priority list, it's got to start with George Kittle. And then I would think Trent Williams is third and then potentially or second. And then Richard Sherman is potentially third. And then you're talking about Fred Warner in that other realm um, of guys that you don't necessarily have to sign because they're not, you know, he still has a year left on his deal. He'll be first eligible for a new contract next offseason. He's not a free agent in 2021. Um, so I'm just curious to see how, how Warner's dealt with uh, with the front office because he is a guy that is just like DeForest Buckner in terms of a leader, really, really smart, works really, really hard, a really good player who's productive, um, and plays an important role in the defense, but it might not be a premium position that the 49ers want to dole out a big contract to, which would be a little bit hypocritical in a, in a sense after giving Quan Alexander the uh, the contract they did yeah. uh, you know, last year and with the restructure. The moral of the story for me is that the Niners linebackers are going to be really good again this year as long as they're healthy. They have a really they they might have the best like trio of linebackers in the league. Ooh, that's an interesting discussion. Yeah, I think they got to be up there. They might not have the best like any of the five best linebackers in the league, but I think like as a group they're they're the best set of linebackers in the league just because they're they're also versatile and also good in coverage, which is so important in the NFL they're all today. Fast. They can all do a lot of the same, a lot of the same very important stuff, like cover receivers and running backs and tight ends. So that's my take on the 49ers linebackers. I think the Niners linebackers were kind of underrated last year. 
Yeah, I think so too. I, it was remember, <laughs> it was week sixteen against the Rams, and Warner had a pick six, and it was I read the play the whole way and undercut the throw and and took it to the house, and I just it was on a was that Saturday night against the Rams? Yeah, it was on a Saturday night, so mm-hmm. it was on prime time and. Just a bunch of NFL people like, you know, that Fred Warner is pretty good. Like, yeah, he's a really good player. I've always loved Fred Warner. (laughs) Yeah, I've always been a big Fred Warner guy since BYU. Like, okay. I name searched (laughs) you and Fred Warner. You've never once tweeted about Fred. (laughs) So Um, that's that's where I'm at on the Niners linebackers. And that's, I think, pretty much all I've got. Uh, We've got an hour pod about Jonas Griffith coming up later on in the week. And the parallels to Larry Larry Joe Bird. Last question I have for you. Any 49ers linebackers getting a Pro Bowl nod this year? I think Warner does. Okay. I think this is the year because I think Warner's like on the map now. And I think he just needs to have a bunch of tackles and maybe a couple interceptions, and I think he'll go. I agree. I think Warner's the most likely. Um, And I really need him to because I tweeted after the draft that he was going to make a Pro Bowl. And I just need him to do it. So I can retweet so, it. Yeah, you finished. can show off your receipt. Yeah, my one yeah. draft receipt that goes my way. You still got Stefan Diggs, man. I didn't publish it on the internet, so it doesn't count. Well, you have an you have an eyewitness here. It's really Thanks, the man. only reason I wanted you on this pod. It's because <laughs> of your scouting of Stefan Diggs yeah. at the and uh, it's, you were, Foster's you were, Farms Bowl. You were anticipating that Niners Vikings slash Bills matchup where we were gonna need to talk Stefan Diggs. Yeah, it happened in the playoffs last year, and he burned a Keller Witherspoon, and it might have been an important point in the game if the Niners weren't so good at running the ball. All right. Anyway. My cats are healthy. They're going to start yelling at me. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I think that's all we got, right? Yeah, that's all we got. Linebackers, good. That's the summation. They're good? Okay. Yeah, Niners linebackers are good. With that, subscribe, rate, review to Candlestick Chronicles for more scorching hot takes like that. I think we're going to get back into the old rush this week. Where we, oh, we watch are. an okay. old game. Yeah, you wanted to, we're doing Niner Seahawks, uh, the second matchup in week 16 of the 2011 season as we continue our rewatch. We of should try to get somebody. Games. So I was not covering the, the team at that point. We should try to get somebody who was because I've heard, uh, I've heard stories of wild press box behavior from that game. Oh, and it would be nice to get it would be nice to get a recounting of that on the pod. So maybe I'll maybe I'll do a little legwork and we can get a guest on. So I was initially going to have Danny Kelly of the Ringer oh. on that pod. Name drop. Maybe we friend of the pod Danny Kelly. Maybe we do that because he was covering the Seahawks at the time and he's a smart football guy and I like talking to him. Mm-hmm. But maybe we can separately have a Niners person who was covering the game to describe that before we actually get into the game itself we can have these discussions at another point that's a great yeah i like the word (laughs) okay we're gonna go this has been candlestick chronicles see you next time see ya for the ones who know that a little late is always too late and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, and our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com/keepstock to learn more. Granger. 
for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.